Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me, let's not wait to reveal who it is. People already know. They probably guessed. It's Southern Wood. How you doing? How you doing? What's up, Teal? Oh, Teal, yeah. I think Teal would be a good nickname for you. Yeah? I've got a few. Some people have called me the Vanilla Thriller. Some people have called me Jay Freeze, Joey Freeze, just because I'm so ice cold. I remember you saying once before, some people call you Sauce. Sauce, yes, because I will put sauce on everything, whether it's hot sauce or ranch. And and my question is, why not? Exactly. But I, at a certain point, I was making my own sauce. No, not like that, you pervert. But I was making my own sauce, like my own ranch, and like I was going all out. Now, you know, that's one thing. I've never made ranch. It's good. If from you get, scratch, yeah, I have if, if you get the ranch packets or whatever, the mix. Oh, that's not making it from scratch. I'm talking oh, about well, like... Well, nothing is truly homemade. Unless you're actually butchering a cow. Very little is actually homemade. It's like when... I love some like I like I love bluebell. I, I got four children that would tell you different. No, but I'll, here's my point. It's branding. I love bluebell ice cream. I really do. Yes. But when they say homemade vanilla ice cream, I'm like, that's mm. not homemade. What made in your house? No. no, and even if you go get a crank or electric ice cream maker, it's still not homemade. Cause did you make the milk? Did you make the steel or the plastic? That goes into the machine itself. I guess that's a good point. Yeah, all the ingredients you didn't make at home. Not much is truly homemade. Some things can be, but not much because you rely on other people. It's the beauty have, of this world. I have had ice cream that's as close as you can get to homemade. Right. With farm-raised chickens and, and did you do the sea salt yourself house? though? Did you go and to the ocean and you know? Now we didn't put salt in our. You ice don't cream. use salt for not in the ice cream in the ice to oh. make it colder. On the ice? Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we got a salt form down there in Pet Law. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you're literally working the salt mines what, what for this homemade ice cream. Yeah, when when I tell you that my children all have a job, that's their job. They work in the salt Well, mines. and plus, you don't have refrigeration But don't down tell there. anybody. You're so in the country, no refrigeration, so you're still salting your meat. Yeah, we're, we're still on an ammonia system down there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I want to start off the show this way, Southernwood, because uh, it's a brand new sponsor, Express Fitness 24-7. I've been going there because, number one, the 24-7 aspect, once you become a member, you get your own key fob. So you can go in. I have wonky hours, so I can get in there whenever I need to. It's a great idea. Like, I'm sore right now. My chest. I got in, just did a quick workout last night, even in the rain. Got in there real quick, did chest and arms, and I got out, and I'm sore today, feeling good. But... I love their website for many reasons because they go into detail about the different types of training you can do, all their many locations, I believe six locations all around the river region. But they have this whole section called motivational quotes. Some of these quotes are, are great, but I really like this one 
from Confucius. Confucius says, this one's very simple, but even though it's simple, it's very hard to live out at times. Because a lot of people hesitate from joining a gym for reasons of, I don't, I don't want to be embarrassed. I, I don't want to go do the work. But here's what Confucius says. It does not matter how slowly you go, so long as you do not stop. It can start slow, folks. And if you're doing heavy weight training, you need to start slow. It doesn't matter if you look a little embarrassing. You're not doing the big plates like the other people are doing when you're doing your squats, you're doing your deadlifts. Maybe you're only working machines. Maybe you're just doing some cardio. Express Fitness 24-7 has it all. Now, I'm going to the Montgomery location on Zelda Road. Is that the only one they have? uh, No, there's one here in Montgomery. And that's where Firehouse Subs is and Lazona Rosa, the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, great place. It's right above Firehouse. And then they have, it's a split facility. There's the cardio machines and like weight machines, like with the plates you put the pin in. And that's what I was at last night. And right across the parking lot, there is like your power racks. So you can do squats, you can do deadlifts, you can you know, have all the free weights you want, and you can get a lot done in there. Um, but they have locations all over the river region. Um, one in Prattville, one in Millbrook, Wetumpka, Clanton, and Pine Level. Open all over the river region, and they're open 24-7. Once you become a member, you always have access. And you know, Lauren heard you talking about that last night. Oh, or night or before, Tuesday night, whenever yeah. whenever it was, and and she was like, you know what? That's what I need is what my wife was saying because our children are. I mean, we're in volleyball and we're going to practice and here and there, and she used to be in CrossFit and she right. is it's like I can't get there between you know two and five right, but because it, my hours just don't line up. But, but you make it work with your own schedule to have a place where you can go anytime. Well, that's and they, neat. they really do have state of the art equipment too. Like it, they don't skimp on that stuff. And here's one thing I love: no contracts. Because in college, I made the mistake. I signed up for some. Oh, price. you went to one of those yeah. big gyms. Yeah, and I saw just the monthly rate. And I got locked into a contract for a year, and that was not fun. <laughs> I was giving them some words. You don't have that at Express Fitness 24-7. It's down-to-earth. They know what people want. And also on top of the down-to-earth, because people, when they join a gym, don't know how to begin. Maybe it's been years since you've worked out like that. They will give you free initial personal training. So you can tell them, here's my goals, and they'll show you some lifts or some cardio workouts, some things you can do, use the equipment properly, so you don't feel like you're a fish out of water. Um, Alex is the guy I'm working with, a great guy. He's running mostly the Montgomery location. But if you're interested in Montgomery location on Zelda Road or in Prattville with Tumka, Clanton, Millbrook, or even Pine Level. Pine Level, Alabama. I highly encourage you folks, if you are hooked to the Internet, Go to expressfitness24.com. That is Express Fitness, the number 24, like Jack Bauer in 24. Expressfitness24.com. Or if you're interested in talking to Alex, stop it with the clock ticking. That's that's 24. No, it reminds me of a turn signal. Uh, Give Alex a call if you want to do the Montgomery location, 386-8689. It's a new year. Maybe it's a new you. But for me, this is just a progression from last year. I've been doing the yoga, and now it's time to lift some weights. And I'm loving it. I'm sore, but it's so worth it. And you might begin slow, but just don't stop. Keep going. Um, great deal, folks. So check out Express Fitness 24-7. That said, 
you do know that weakness in a social setting, you know how we rely on all sorts of people, like we were talking about with the ice cream maker. Like even if you're cranking out homemade ice cream or even making your own ranch dipping sauce or French onion dip, Mm -hmm. you're still relying on the division of labor. All sorts of people had to make all these products. Just look in this room. Like all the things from probably all around the world to make this possible. Like how many components are just into this microphone I'm I'm talking into? Yeah. It's it's remarkable if you really sit back and I, I you probably shouldn't do it all day every day you'll get lost in thought. But if you just look around you and think about all the little details that come together to make the things you use in life. That's important. So we're very reliant on one another. We are very much, it takes a village, not a government, which some people want to use village as a euphemism for government and the state. But it does take a strong village of healthy individuals working the best they can in their specialty, looking out for one another. That's all fine and dandy. But there's this whole theme these days. Dave Chappelle put it this way. A lot of brittle spirits out there, folks. A lot of brittle souls, you know? All these folks are just... It, life is so tough, don't you know? So difficult. They're so fragile. Because, you know, things just aren't fair, Southernwood. They're not fair. And you've pointed out Sesame... Really? Yeah. You've pointed out Sesame Street. I think that's part of it. That, I think that's one manifestation of this sort of new way yeah. of thinking. Yeah. But I think it has deeper roots. Because I don't think the so-called snowflakes, and I don't think that just applies to millennials. There are a lot of snowflakey boomers and Gen Xers, and I don't think it applies to just one generation. There are a lot of people out there complaining and using their so-called weakness or suffering or whatever, their brittle spirit, as a strength. And that's what's counterintuitive. That imagine our society largely, and I got this from a great guy's Come a friend of mine named David Gornoski. When Jesus triumphed, yes, I'm going there. When Christ triumphed okay. over the centuries, as Christianity spread, it started to change the way people looked at society. It wasn't they just became believers in order to be saved and to imitate Jesus in a way. They also mm-hmm. started to look at, as Jesus called for, the least of these. The meek shall inherit the earth. Those who are out there suffering, they're hungry, go feed them. If they're sick, take care of them. They're in jail even. Visit them. All these things. Okay. I'm with you. And I think I'm, I agree with that. We have become, as a modern society, very much in the West, sensitive to suffering. We want to make sure people don't suffer. We want to make sure people aren't getting an unfair deal. And we tend to look at anybody with undue authority, or authority at all, a little skeptically. Like, the powerful, like, I mean, what's the whole line about a rich man getting into heaven? Yeah. Easier to pass through and I have a needle. Right. Though we're not riding camels these days, I mean. Well, speak for yourself there, big boy. <laughs> oh, you got camels down there in Pitlaw along hey, with your we, salt mines? We, yes. How do you think we get the salt out of the mines? <laughs> No, but there's this interesting theory, and it's dangerous for me to talk about this because it gets I'm not an expert, and it gets a little wonky. And there's a lot, I think, misinformation about this guy. But uh, Frederick Nietzsche, he's the guy who kind of ushered in the modern era of philosophy. 
And he sort of looked at the history of thought as not so much ideologies and what people believe, but he wanted to see, like, okay, if I look at, like, the Greeks and the Romans, and I look at the Judaism and how Christianity developed, and I start to see common themes, if I, I don't look at these things as completely opposed to one another, but it's just manifestations of what humors, humans do to deal with suffering. Because Nietzsche, for whatever you've heard, he really didn't like, you know that famous line he threw out there, God is dead? It continues with, and we have killed him. When he said God is dead, he said that with the deepest sorrow. He felt that the theologians and all the big thinkers of the day and the authorities of the day had sort of gotten rid of what actually made a society healthy, which is a deep spirituality and belief. And, yeah, because that that is common to every society, even if they are what we would call heathen or pagan societies, sacrificing young or all. They had a form of a religious belief. They had a form of a God. I don't want to go. Get, right. I don't want to get you off track. Right. But you know, we're not just talking. But about every the human God society Hebrews has and, thought about what's beyond us. Right. Or at least they've thought there's a, a spirit form, in the rock. There's a spirit in the tree. A form of a higher power yes. that is in control of everything. In essence, and, and it then, could have been like. Like I was saying, the river has a spirit, or the animal has a spirit. Then it could go up to, no, there are many different gods that kind of work on in different realms. And it mm-hmm. goes all the way up to monotheism. There is one god, and he's in pretty much charge of everything. Yeah. You actually see remnants, because I was raised Catholic. There is the one god, but then you also have the saints, and like all this stuff. And they're not really gods, but they're... They're a little. They're they're a better type of human, you know. They were saintly. Yeah, see, and see, I don't, I don't. Yeah, well, but you know what? I'm not. You saying don't want to get in theology. For, yeah, I'm not saying for better or for worse. It just is. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. And this is the, the the. And the Protestant would be that they're still monotheistic. There is one God, and we are all saints, right. and we're all on the same level, and all sinners. You know, that's right. Yes. So what Nietzsche did is he started kind of looking at. Why did certain religions or spiritual beliefs develop in certain cultures, certain societies? And one of the things he came up with, just one, and again, I'm not an expert on this. I'm just talking off the top of my head. Didn't plan on it. But I got thinking about all the snowflakes and brittle spirits out there. And this is what came to mind. He used to make this distinction of master morality and slave morality. And I'm not just talking like an American last 200 years context of masters and slaves. All right, explain. Most of human history, you've had like the people on top, usually running the government, the masters. And you've had the slaves. Like the Hebrews, the Jews were enslaved in Egypt, for instance. Okay. I mean, and the Greeks had slaves. There's always been sort of this caste system. You can go all around the world where you have masters and you have so-called slaves. Master morality, he suggest after reviewing all this history and different cultures and religions is the type of morality that looks at the master looks at the great warrior looks at the head of state and whatever qualities those people embodied in their lives whatever attributes or virtues like honor and courage and strength and even aggressiveness these sort of things you want to imbibe that though that is what is moral the society that's what's moral so essentially morality became whatever the master does is moral pretty simple. Mm. 
And then slave morality is whatever the slaves or the peasants or the serfs, whatever you want to call them, whatever the common folk do, that's actually what's moral. So he's essentially saying because of how people had to live, they develop their morality out of it. But he said, that, yeah, master morality can get out of whack if the strong and the honorable, the warrior, is not merciful to those who might be a little weaker than him, he could be a tyrant. Absolutely. And he also suggests, though, that if slave morality gets too pent up on tearing down the powerful, way too hooked on compassion and resentment to those who have more power and have more stuff, that it can get out of balance, too. So, brings us to today and the brittle spirits the snowflakes so-called I don't think they're actually all that weak I think what they've done is they've taken the call from Christianity which it's all complicated but Nietzsche put Christianity in the so-called slave morality but you see his point most of the people who have been slaves throughout human history that's who Jesus was standing up for you see what I mean? He was going for the least of these, so to speak. And he, and essentially he's claiming things like compassion, charity, love, forgiveness, not being too gaudy with your wealth. These sort of things. I, I think it's more, though, about being true. Yes. Because, I mean, even Christ, you know, we all know the story of Mary Magdalene and, and yeah. came up and, yeah. and, and he said, you know, when they were going to stone her and he says, you know, who amongst you has not committed a sin? And, and they all walk away slowly. And then he being the only one that could have condemned her because he had not committed a sin, he says, then neither do I. Right. But. Change your ways. Go and sin, sin no, no more. more. Yes. Was his exact word. So it, it's... Well, and I think what what's happened, though, is even though this country is founded very much by Christians on that basis, we've lost it in a way. There's still, especially here in Alabama, a lot of believers. But I think, especially if I look at progressivism, to me it seems like a secular form of Christianity without exactly necessarily the true... Some, I think, important parts. What did Jesus say? Don't worry about tomorrow, essentially. Yeah. There's this change kind of early on, and when the progressive era starts and it gets complicated, where it wasn't so much about being pious and wasn't so much about being at church every Sunday or your private good deeds and charity and love and hope for others and yourself. It was more like, hmm, if we give the correct price fixing for the railroads, that'll help more people. And that'll be the correct thing to do. If we can help the poor with the government, that'll be the, the right thing to do. Yeah, and I, I We can bring out heaven on earth. And that's, that's what I'm afraid that is what the goal of mankind as a whole, in the largest sense of the word is they want to be God because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to create uh, man through government is trying to create a paradise on earth. And it's just my belief is that's not going to happen. But with the fallen man running things, 
that's not going to I happen. Absolutely, Julie. I absolutely agree. And and we're we're trying to achieve what Christ, according to the Bible, the way that I understand it, is going to achieve at some point. There's going to be a paradise that we live in, and we're trying to get there. And all these experiments that we run through government and even this great great nation that we live in the united states maybe the greatest nation ever on in the history of the world hmm. we're not going to get there brother i agree it is not going to happen because well because to do we're that we're not god that's well, why and to do that and you, if you start playing god you're going to take away a lot of people's freedom exactly because and that a lot is of people's agency and cuz that that is part of god's plan and and it's not that he's taking things away from us in order to punish us or you prevent us from having joy, he's taking things away from us saying, don't do that because that's bad for you. Right. That's and, really bad for and you. And he's also... Even and, though it's pleasurable, but this is the point, it's bad for But you. this is where I think this sort of secularized Christianity, this sort of political project to end all suffering and oppression, which you say it, that's a great goal if you don't really think about it. End all suffering and oppression. If it, if, if, just as a bumper sticker, I might even, yeah, uh, yeah, let's make sure nobody's poor and nobody's really suffering. We're doing the best we can. Absolutely. But Jesus also said the poor will always be among us. And what he really teaches us is that life is often suffering. Most of human history, people suffered. And the point is, out of that suffering, you can find meaning. Out of that suffering, you can sacrifice yourself for something better. Out of that suffering, stop sacrificing other people. Other people are not to blame for your suffering, though everybody's suffering. And out of your suffering, you learn lessons if you're looking for them. Yes. And when you get through, when you're going through something really tough and you're like, and you think, and I've done this before, and and you're like looking up into the heavens, and you're talking to God Himself, Jehovah, and right. you're saying, "Why is this happening to me?" You don't realize at the time because we're little tiny ants mm-hmm. down here on this planet. I mean, you think about the universe, how small we are in respect to the entire universe, whether you believe, whether you believe in God or not. We are a minuscule yeah. piece of the universe. But when you go through something where you're suffering, on the other side, you learn so many lessons. You learn more through your failures than you do learn through your successes. Right. I mean, if everything you do, I mean, if you actually have the Midas touch and everything you touch turns to gold immediately, what are you learning? You're not learning anything. But when you fail, you're like, why did I fail? If you're introspective and you think about, night, what did I do wrong? Why did this not work? And you go, oh, yes. The problem with that is sometimes it ends up affecting other people when you fail. Hmm. It's not just, oh, well, I didn't change that tire properly. You know, I didn't tighten. The, that's why the tire fell off. I didn't tighten right. the lug right. nuts up. But sometimes it's something you do to your child, and you go, damn, I shouldn't have done that. And it's too late. You've already affected their life, 
and then they have to deal. But if you learn from it, you can still have a worth something worthwhile come out. You of. still can, and yeah. they can learn from it. They can learn, hey, this is what my daddy did to me. I'm not going to do it to my child, or you know. And it may be you know generational before yeah. the effects. And some people may never learn. It's, comes it, on. life can be tragic. And like and, that. and and that is that's the that's a, a great problem is that we tend to repeat our own failures over and over. But I, I wanna, and then we get angry yeah. about that right, right. instead of changing what, our behavior. And the tendency is, and I've done I think everybody's done it, and it takes a lot of work not to do this. The tendency is to blame something somebody else. or somebody else yeah. to scapegoat people. So if strip away all that wisdom from, in particular, Jesus, where he's essentially saying, boiling it down, just as a practical lesson. I'm not even getting into theology. That's not what I'm doing tonight. He's essentially just saying, stop sacrificing other people because life sucks. Instead, find meaning in the suffering and maybe look at yourself first. And even that guy who may indeed be the cause of your suffering, find the good in him and learn to love him. Yeah. Turn the other cheek. That's But take all that away. And all you have is, I want to alleviate suffering. What happens, and we're back to our brittle spirits and our snowflakes. Everybody seems to be thinking now, I'm punching up. I'm looking out for the little guy. I'm looking out for the middle class and the working class and the poor. And you people keeping us down and continuing to make the world suffer are the problem. Yeah. Laying blame on somebody. Yes. And... It's essentially this overwrought version of, well, for, I don't want to use the word slave morality because people hear those words and they don't know the context. Well, I tried to provide it earlier. But this idea of, don't you dare stand out. Kind of be with the common folk. And what I'm doing is out of love and compassion to take on these elites or the white patriarchy, or whatever. If we're supposed to be this loving, compassionate society, which the United States is the most charitable society on Earth still, but mm-hmm. if, like, looking at folks, if you just take folks on the left for their bumper stickers, like, they want to, social justice, end poverty, stop suffering in the world. Why is it that it seems so toxic like what we've seen last weekend, it's worked its way all through this week, what happened on the Washington Mall with the kids wearing the MAGA hats and the Native American guy. But there's all sorts of viral video examples of people that are supposedly really compassionate going, I want to punch so-and-so in the face. Like, if you're so bent on ending suffering, why do we seem so quick to want to fight everybody? It's because, and this is how I, why I thought of Nietzsche's master slave morality. It's because the snowflakes and the brittle spirits aren't actually all that brittle or fragile. They just see that if I express that I'm suffering, if I express that I'm oppressed, and you may or may not be, suffering comes in all sorts of different forms. Oppression is real. I'm not denying that. But if you express it, And you fit yourself and your identity into this system of, I'm the aggrieved party. And so are all these other people. It gives you power. Because no matter who you are in this country, for the most part, people 
do have bleeding hearts. They do care about the poor. Well, and they it, do care about people that are been wrong. Like this audience, you'd think from the left wing's perspective, a bunch of conservatives who don't care. No, most people I talk to care. They might have a different policy prescription, but they care. So why is it that people keep going back to this? Well, it's not that certain people are actually weak or actually all that brittle. They've realized if I appear weak, I appear brittle, I appear so offended, then that gives me power over the person that I'm claiming is offending me. That's a great point, Joey. And it's mostly on the left. But I, I'm just humbly suggesting with populism on the rise, there's a kind of a victimhood mentality same going thing. on on the right. Same thing. on It is the exact same thing on the right. Because if you get the right audience in front of you, you can tell an exact opposite story of that. And you're going to get the compassion of everyone who's mm-hmm. listening. Oh, there's a lot go, of yeah, terrible stories. That's wrong. They won't let you say a prayer in school. Yeah, that's wrong. Right. You need to be able to pray in school. Well, hey, folks... Let me say this. Won't you pray at your own house? Well, and you can pray at school, but you can, like, I, you pray in your head. But you know the point I'm making. I mean, that's, it's this big deal. Yeah. Oh, they don't allow prayer in school. Well, and you get, that's BS. And they do. You Like you just said, you can pray. And what did Jesus, you opened the show talking mm-hmm. about the Christ. Yeah. What did he say? He said, don't do like the hypocrites and go out there and pray out there in public and make big, long speeches. Go in your closet. Yeah. Don't even go in your room. Go in your house. Go in your room. Get in your closet and shut the door and then pray if you want to pray. And he wasn't saying that it was wrong to pray in public, but don't make but it's it this com- great big deal. And it's the complete opposite of virtue signaling. It, it could be so bad that even if people spit on you and beat you and all this stuff, take it. Turn the other cheek. What did he do? Yeah, exactly. So I I look at this, and it's just a road we're going down. We're, and this is what complicates it. It is a problem. If somebody's freedom of conscience, they're not free to pray, for instance, where they would want to, yeah, that's aggravating. If somebody is poor and maybe doesn't have a good education and other things in life are bringing them down, that sucks. They're real problems. What I'm more pointing to is the blame game. This redress of grievances game. Yes, we have the right to assemble and you know appeal to the government for a redress of grievances. But I think once you realize that if I am the squeakiest wheel and I am very emotional and express how rough life is, I'm going to get things. And I can also blame it on this group, not that individual person that was a bully. Just those people. Those people. And those people comes in all sorts of forms. Now, folks, if you want to get me started on dehumanizing people... Don't use racism. Don't get into the whole sexism or the opposites meant to remedy it. Like, no, get it. let's just go with being a misanthrope. Like, the problem, the reason your life sucks, yeah, if you want to blame something, blame the fact that we're people. Yeah, people suck. I get that. So if you ever hear me blame a group, a collective, it's going to be pretty much all people. Pretty much. That's I have that streak in me. Yeah. But really, if you realize everybody's suffering to one degree or another, 
there are remedies to real problems, like people who are sick or who are poor. And you start looking at, okay, how do we discreetly fix these problems and help individual people? Instead of blaming one another and wearing our virtues and our so-called weaknesses and emotions on our sleeve, we go a lot further to actually solving our problems. And you you can solve most every one of them by you just treat others the way you would like to be treated. Well... Some people don't want to treat themselves very well. No, it's a shame. That's the problem. And even even if you're not Christian or don't even believe in God or don't think Jesus ever walked on the earth, if you just look at the the writings and the recordings of the things that he said, I mean, it's pretty powerful. He's well. It's not just powerful though, Joey. It's it's correct. If we would just live that way, regardless if you. Accept him as your savior. I I'm not here to preach or yeah, or anything like that. We're doing tonight. But if you just, I mean, he, you brought up Confucius earlier. Yeah. You know, great great parables. Uh, Solomon. Uh, yeah. You know, we got the book of Proverbs is in our Bibles. Uh, you know, great sayings. You live the way Christ said. It's I mean it. It really does boil down to wisdom that. Is what wisdom is wisdom. What is the greatest commandment? You know, and that's I mean the golden rule. Just treat people the way you want to well, be treated. This is, this is going on a theme. Wisdom is wisdom, and anger is the currency of our national media and our politics right now. And so, if we want to change that, you got to start looking in the mirror. We got to stop blaming others, even if they might be to blame, and sort of check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Clark. Welcome back. No, it'll make something clear with all this talk. I think it's very important, especially if you're powerful and successful, to be charitable, to be merciful, to try to think of how other people live their lives and help them where you can. Doesn't mean you have to care for a stranger halfway across the world more than your own family. Of course, love your own family more. But all these virtues are real. My point is constantly wearing them on your sleeve and pointing out that other people aren't being good. And not just other individuals, but whole groups of people are suspect. is not going to lead to that world of love and compassion and understanding. And, and you know, some, something I just realized, it, the first time this thought has ever come into my mind, you know what the... The, the one strongest form of power there is out there, true power, mm-hmm. is self-control. It is. And even if you're stronger than someone else, it's just like when, when you know, you you have, say, I mean, I've, I've gone through it. I've raised four children and, and a little child. And, I mean, you could just grab them and just, I mean, just slam them up against the wall. I mean, they've done the most egregious thing ever, and you could just... But 
to have the self-control to say, no, you're just going to live with your, con- you know, the consequences of your actions is what you're going to live well, with. And, and then imagine the self-control of, uh, you know, using some George Orwell, a boot, a boot stomping on your face forever. That's actually what the tyrant thinks true power is. And it reminds me of blaming others for your suffering. What's true power? Inflicting. No, no. And true power, according to the tyrant, is inflicting suffering on others. But if you're the person at the hands of a tyrant, having that suffering and pain brought down on you, as Orwell said, or the party in 1984 said it, a boot stomping on a human face forever. If you can look up from under that boot and see the good in that terrible, wicked, evil person, and even have the power to say, I love you, that's true power. To essentially put down your arms. Now, there, we always express these things in artistic ways, over-the-top ways, poetic ways. I'm not a pacifist. You know, I'm not up here saying that if somebody attacks you, you should necessarily, you know, roll over and die. Or in, in true ways, Joey, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Amen. And that is... Having the power to come off that cross and destroy them, to call 10,000 angels. Having that power and yeah. relenting and saying, forgive them, they, they don't know right. what they're doing. That is true power. And what's more important is having that as your as your compass, as your internal compass, as your mental state. There are definitely people who murder other people, lock them up. Steal from other people, lock them up. People that systematically are just bigoted and mean towards others, you don't need to associate with them. Or maybe you can reach out to them and say, why are you doing this? People who are tyrants all around the world. Be nice to, you know, the old American phrase, death to tyrants, which John Wilkes Booth ruined. <laughs> but it's more state of mind. In, in a word, we've lost our balance. I think our balance of virtues. I, I'm trying to get a little deep tonight, one of my favorite writers in the last few years is Deirdre McCloskey. And she says what made the modern world so great was not that we have all these new innovations, like the steam engine, and then we discover the value of oil and industrialization. That definitely helped. It's not necessarily just trade and more capital, like human capital, and actually putting brick on top of brick, like all sorts of resources. It's not really all the people you have. It's not really all the resources you have. It's not even necessarily technology, though it gets a little more complicated, because, she says... Societies in human history, the Romans, the Chinese, have had those things. And they didn't do what's happened in the last 200 or so years. What she claims is the way people started speaking about virtue and everybody else in the world. They stopped sneering, in particular, at the middle class. And they started combining. And it sort of happened by accident in some ways. Maybe that's the wrong word. It sort of happened spontaneously, without the central planner, is they took the basic Christian virtues of faith, hope, and love. And then they took sort of the classic Greek-Roman virtues, temperance, courage, justice, among others. And it sort of started to, and everybody has access to these and can fill these in their own life. And when we sort of let people be free, 
And we understood that everybody's allowed to foster that virtue in their own lives according to their own whims and wishes, and sometimes they fail. And then you add to that the bargain of, yeah, that guy might beat me, and that guy might be a better plumber than me today, but in the long run, he's going to make everybody rich if I allow him to be successful. That's what created the modern world, so says Deirdre McCloskey, who, interesting enough, used to be Donald McCloskey. That was actually my entrance into, like, discovering the transgender thing. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest, folks, if you look up Deirdre McCloskey, her writing on once being a guy and now being a a woman, which, if I hadn't have known that, it would have been like, that's a woman. I wouldn't have known. I would have been a little like, it's kind of a broad-shouldered woman. But, but, no, the way she used to be, he wrote about that. It's actually pretty fast if you're interested in that sort of thing. It's not a political thing. Um, Deirdre McCloskey very much believes in freedom and, and free minds and free markets. But it goes all the way back to, like, she would, when it, she was Donald, like, kind of hide and dress up like a woman when she was alone and was afraid to even bring this stuff up. And it's an interesting story. It's not necessarily for me personally, but it's an interesting story. And to see somebody who is that well-read, I think, like, six, seven PhDs, it's ridiculous. Um, a brilliant person. I don't know how much I would, you know, say to my uh, my children or something like. That. I don't have children, but it's uh, it opened my eyes. It was a new thing to learn. I'll put it that way. It's not the main reason I read Deirdre McCloskey. It was just kind of an interesting side road I went on. Um, I highly encourage folks. It, you don't have to read her huge books. They're weighty tomes. They're big. They're long. Essentially, it asks why. How did we get so rich? And that part of that is the virtue and how we start to consider others. And what she, I think, suggests and what I'm suggesting now is that mix of virtues and how we consider pretty much everybody free to pursue them in their own way, that's going away. And we're kind of going back and certain groups emphasize certain virtues, other groups emphasize other virtues, but it's out of whack. And we're getting back into this blame game that's always plagued humanity. It's the old picking sides things. And I mean, that's what's wrong with politics today is you can't just you can't even pick ideas. No, in word, you have to pick a pick side. A group. Yeah. Well, why do, you th- do you think it's fun for me to be politically homeless? No, I, I do have a home. I live in Montgomery, Alabama. I'm on a conservative talk radio. I don't know how conservative my show is, but like most of my friends are conservatives. So I have a home in the sense that I know people and I'm friends with them. Yeah. But like in my own belief, politically speaking, I'm kind of homeless. A lot of libertarians go through this. Well, and that's not fun because I get called every name under the sun. <laughs> from the left, I get called a right-wing nut. And from the right, I get called a commie pinko hippie. I don't know. Like... It's funny well, how, now, what people, people think about. You actually do look like a commie well, hip, hippie pinko well, or whatever you Well, it's a teal. 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 Yeah. I do like that head band thing. You see, you the on. other night you have come around to my cheap heat. No, I, I. What do you mean come around? I liked it the first time. No, I you saw didn't. It. You I said, "What the did. hell is that on your head?" Well, it was something like that, but that didn't mean I didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> uh, well, Heck, I'm wearing a Nike hat. <laughs> well, before we go to the phones and talk to Debbie, uh, another sponsor of the show. Hold on, I'm gonna take a knee. <laughs> Other sponsor of the show, Four Healthy Pets over on the Atlanta Highway, the Village East Shopping Center. Uh, Teresa runs the place. 
great woman, started up this business because she really took the time with her own pets, cats and dogs, to make sure they were getting high-quality, all-natural, particular diets that would leave her pets living long, healthy, happy lives because made her happier. When you take responsibility for another creature like that, it's just amazing. It's amazing that story of how dogs more so than cats, but dogs, how they've grown with hey, us. Hey, easy now. No, You're going to offend Chad Morris. You know, I love cats. I really do. I really do love cats. But Teresa opened this business because she wanted to provide that same mindset, that same experience to anybody who wanted to walk into four healthy pets. And that's what she'll do for you. Again, high-quality, all-natural brands, responsibly sourced. You're not getting factory sweepings. Not getting the necessarily the bottom-of-the-barrel brand that's sort of the cheapest. You're I, getting high-quality stuff. This week, I just saw another story about these big Brand X dog foods yep. being pulled off the shelves mm-hmm. because they were tainted yep. with... I think these had arsenic or something oh, in them, or the levels were too high. I mean, this is why you need to, there. need to do a little bit of extra homework, and Teresa's already done it for you over at Four Healthy Pets. But it's not just the everyday feeding, not just everyday food. You also, treats that are like the chicken jerky is amazing. I think they do turkey jerky yeah, occasionally. I, I got to go by and get some meow wana for Meow wana is so much fun. He's out. It's a very cleverly branded catnip. It's a lot of fun to watch cats play with that stuff. And also, chew toys. Maybe your dog goes through your average chew toy. She's got stuff like uh, what elk antler, all sorts of stuff out there. that You can really make it work. Also, provide grooming services. So many things going on at 4 Healthy Pets. So stop by 4 Healthy Pets. Tell Teresa. Joey says hi. It's the Village East Shopping Center, Atlanta Highway, right next to Faulkner University. Or you can visit them at 4HealthyPetsOnline.com. That's 4HealthyPetsOnline.com. Dot com. Now, let's go to the phones before the show is over. I just had these weighty things on my mind. I didn't plan on talking. I was planning on talking about the Royal Rumble this weekend, brother, brother. Brother, brother. And you have to bring up Is Becky Lynch going to be Asuka, the Empress of Tomorrow, against the man, Becky Lynch? Who's going to win the Royal Rumble? Is it going to be Seth Rollins? Is it going to be Charlotte Flair in the Women's Royal Rumble? I don't know. If Charlotte's there, is it going to be? I'm all in. Is it going to be the the new babyface Mustafa Ali? Oh, that guy's awesome. I'm all in if Cheryl Flair's there. Or Charlotte. Charlotte. Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl. Whatever. whatever. But here, let's go to the phones and talk to Debbie. Not looking at her name. Hey, Debbie. How you doing? <laughs> Hi, I was beginning to think you weren't going to get to me tonight. Yeah. That's all right. You're yeah, on my mind, Debbie. I know, and I wanted to share with you with that mind, your brilliant mind. Why do you think I jumped into radio if not to blather on and on, at least for an hour? Oh, my. Well, you you got it going, honey. You're doing good. Oh, um, I was, <laughs> was going to bring up something. You were talking about um, various different things throughout the night that interested me. But the one thing that I do want to say, my professor at one of the universities I went to here in town, very good one, I was explaining that um, when it comes down to it, you think what's right, what's wrong. We have sins here that would be considered, um, you know, acceptable in another country, like killing a wife that they thought committed adultery. Well, mm-hmm. we couldn't do that here. It's illegal and it's considered a sin. Yeah, thank but God adultery is not a crime in this country. 
Yeah, really. Used to be. We'd all be dead. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, you know, we could go to a different country, and if a woman gets caught in pants, you know, they'd be in trouble. Or, uh, everywhere is different. Everybody has their own perspective of what's right and what's wrong. The beautiful thing about our country, supposedly, until lately, is we're allowed to choose to be different. We're allowed to, you know, determine what's right and wrong for us. We're allowed to explore things. Look at all the inventions and all the things that came out of our creativity because we weren't tied down anymore. We're allowed to use these brilliant minds that we've got and do something extraordinary with them. But when you have a government that's so tight right? that, you know, or like right now with the media, humiliating anybody that were to be something that they don't want you to be. Right. Or try to destroy you because of it. Like you're talking about people making fun of you and calling you names because you don't have a person in your niche and both sides of the U.S. Yeah, but I can, I can take it. It takes a lot to make me cry. I know, but. Uh, that's I think that's I, I think that's a great point though, Debbie, it because is. we even we even squelch not just actions but ideas, and yes. and and it's even has gotten to the point that we squelch people for what they're thinking or what we think that they're thinking. Right. That well, I know yeah. what he's and, thinking. And, and in my mind, it's all fine and good to disagree with people, even tell people what you're doing is wrong, but. I think what should combine us isn't blood and soil, obviously. It, it shouldn't necessarily be certain identifiers. It should be higher ideals, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everybody, for the weak, for the strong, for right. the rich, and the poor. And the only way to really pursue happiness in life is not by blaming others or tearing others down or making mm-hmm. others suffer to make you feel powerful. No, it's, it's to foster virtue in your own life. And it, it is through freedom, like Debbie's mm-hmm. just talking about is through freedom, mm-hmm. exactly. but with freedom comes the ability to fail and fall on your face. Right. But then and also tolerance. You have yeah, to be know. able to accept everybody else's um, decisions for their life. If they're not imposing something on you or, you know, messing up your yard or something like yeah. that. You've got to have tolerance for other people's that ideas, even the, though they may be strange. And that virtue gave us the basis of our religious freedom in this country. Right. Mm-hmm. Tolerance, mm-hmm. but not the but yeah, tolerance. Yeah. We cannot confuse what tolerance has been confused yes, with is agreement with what someone else says right. that you have to accept and no, agree with it everything means they that say. You still give them the freedom no, to just, pursue their own lights. That's yes. right, Joey. I don't think men should wear a headband. You know. Headbands, but you know, I'm bringing it, I'm putting it over, I'm, I'm bringing it back. I'll tolerate it, but you're not going to see me in a day going headband. Oh, you'll be joining me. Are you going to wear, are you going to be wearing the hip, hey, hip huggers and bell bottoms? Come on, guys, show Woo. it to me. Come on. Why do you think I've been working out so much, Debbie? Debbie, you, you were All right. You know, Debbie, you were on the road to being one of the greatest calls to come into talk radio <laughs> Don't say it, in the last 10 years, Don't say and it. you just killed it. I ain't wearing no dang bell bottoms. Well, there's another night oh, come then, Debbie. On. Well, I got to go. I, I'm running out of time. Thank you Thank for the call. Thank you. What a show. At least I feel better. I feel like I just talking off the top of my head and having some fun with it. You got a lot out tonight, brother. Yeah. Brother, brother. Thank you, brother. <laughs> this is the last show of the week for me, live, anyway, because I've got oh, wedding. Well, that's right. You've got a prior engagement tomorrow Indeed. night, don't you? Wedding rehearsal. Hey, I could come in and do the show. No. I'll be back on Monday. Wow. <laughs>